This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. I am your normal host, Brendan Nunez, and I have my regular co-host with me today as well. That is Rich Ivanowski. How you doing today, Rich? I'm doing good, man. Finals about to start. It's a good time for basketball. It is. I'm pretty excited for this matchup. I think we both said more excited than we expected to be going into this postseason and this entire season in general. Um, A few minutes before we started this podcast, Sam Amick put out a tweet announcing some of the assistant coaches that are going to be on Walton's staff. And the names include Bob Beyer, who's formerly from OKC. And from the brief research that I got to do on him before we hopped into here, he was very film oriented. He was under Van Gundy in Orlando and got really high praise from him. A quote from the article that was on the Oklahoman since he previously was working for OKC was that Bayer was lauded from his work with wing players, particularly the development of JJ Redick. Um, I think that JJ and Buddy are similar players in a way. So maybe that turns out well, but he's coming over from OKC. We have Jesse Mermaids. Uh, hopefully, I'm probably saying that last name wrong. It He's, sounds like you're trying to say mermaid, that's but then you, then you finish with saying mayonnaise. Like, Is it like Mermaids? M-E-R-M-U-Y-S. Mermaids? I, I, uh, I don't know. I And I apologize because... Uh, yeah, sometimes I learn things on the on this podcast for the first time, and yeah, this went up immediately before we started recording. I have not had much time to do any research. Yeah, twenty minutes ago, about and Mermies, Mister Mermaid Man, uh, from two thousand six to two thousand eight was coaching in college, and a good amount of time was spent in Arizona, and then two thousand eight to twelve, he was a Denver assistant vo- video coordinator and scout, and then in twenty thirteen. He got a head coaching job or an assistant coaching job, sorry, under Dwayne Casey in Toronto for a little while there, 15 to 16. He was the GM and head coach of the G League Raptors team. And then from 2016 to 19, he's been a Lakers assistant. So this guy was actually just with Walton and Mm -hmm. someone that he brought over. The only one of this list that Walton is bringing from what I've seen so far. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, Right, nothing, no word on Hornacek, no. and but uh, Bobby Jackson is still around, so thank God for that. Exactly, that's the only thing that matters, and we could see that coming, obviously. And the last name that was in here was Roy Rana, and 
this is a really well-decorated Canadian coach, but for the most part, it was in high school or there was a Canadian uh, national team assistant coach. A lot of the times it seemed to be under 18 and 19 Canadian teams though. So that was a bit interesting there, but like we said, we don't know too much about these guys. I mean, is there anything that sticks out to you from history or anything like that? Quite frankly, I don't know much about any of these guys other than uh, Mr. Bobby Jackson, a uh, huge fan. Um, no, I, I, you know what? I am not well-versed in the uh, assistant coaching world and uh, the G League coaching world. So uh, I, I don't have a lot to, to speak on this. Perhaps I can do some research and, and have a more educated opinion soon. soon. Certainly the guy, the Canadian guy, seems like a curveball, but just the instant reaction from guys around the league, it seems like he's got some some fans out there, which is interesting. Yeah, obviously we'll have to see how it goes moving forward. Can't bash you at all for not knowing the hundreds of potential assistant coaches that could go under these NBA teams. Looking at the finals, obviously we have Golden State and Toronto, and I dug a little bit to see how the Kings fared against both of these teams. And we know how Golden State went. It went 0-4, combined 12-point differential in all these. So obviously very close games. We played Golden State well. Toronto, we lost both of the matchups as well. First one was by 9, second was by 15, but that was in Toronto. That was the one game that didn't have Fox, and it was Bagley's first start as well. And yeah, I mean, obviously the Kings aren't championship contenders right now. There's a reason that they're losing to these caliber of teams, but I kind of wanted to do a little bit of a workshop of say that the Kings in a few years are going to be in the finals and we can compare it to what a finals caliber team is and who we feel like would be guarding who. I feel like we know what our offense is going to be. It's our identity of shooting, pushing the pace in that, but the defensive matchups really interesting me, interest me. And maybe we can start looking at the Raptors because they have a bit of a more even and well-rounded team rather than just crazy superstars almost on every level. So, I mean, the basic matchup is the point guard. I feel like Lowry, Fox is going to get stuck on that guy. Or do you consider having him chase a Danny Green type guy around? You know... So I think that the natural fit is Lowry there. The natural matchup is Lowry. I think that when when I'm doing this exercise in my head – so first of all, are we talking about – I know you had mentioned going forward, but are we talking about this Kings team right now if, if they were matching up against the Raptors in the finals right now, or are you saying projecting forward? I think projecting forward because this team isn't good enough for the finals right now. Um, so just – you know, you compare previous final teams with this one. This is a playoff, a finals caliber roster. So in the future, when the Kings are on that level as well, what would matchups sort of look like? Hmm. It's hard for me to do that. Um, predicting who will even be on the roster can be a little bit difficult. I'll kind of go with who we've got now, what I can see right now. And, and um, maybe you can help me make some adjustments going into the future. But I think I would probably start with Kawhi. Um, looking at who I'm going to match up with, uh, with Kawhi, I think that based on this player, this group of players on the Kings right now, you got to go Harrison Barnes, right? Yeah, I would agree. And I think that he can do it 
a decent job, but I, I don't know. I guess there's nobody that's going to be locking down a Kawhi KD type player. Are are you comfortable with Barnes doing a good enough job? I mean, you're going to need to help, but he could probably stay in front of him and at least slow him down a bit, right? Right. I'm certainly not comfortable with it, but based on what there is to choose from here, yeah. he's he's the logical choice. And well, Kind yeah. of the point of this was that if we feel like we don't have a guy for this, and obviously, you know, it's it's a good amount of years till we're down the line, but I feel like we have five guys that are likely locked into this roster. Obviously, there's changes, major changes that happen, but of what holes do we need to fill come the future in order to be keeping up with these championship level teams. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, this is something that Kings fans have been saying for a long time. Kings media have acknowledged that one of the biggest issues with this team, at least the beginning of the year was there was nobody that you can put on your KDs, your Kawhis. Yeah. There was just for, you know, this is the most elite position in the game is that rangy combo forward that, can really score on any level and can hurt you uh, pretty much in any way. And it's these are the best players in the league. LeBron can fall in, uh, under this category. Giannis can fall under this category. Um, and the Kings had nothing and nobody to put on them. Justin Jackson was probably your best bet. <laughs> for, uh, truly, you know? Yeah. And and uh, I think that Barnes obviously is a monumental step up in that way. So, you know, is he going to shut down Kawhi Leonard? No, he's not. Uh, but can he stay in front of him, like you said, and slow him down a little bit? Yeah, I think that he can do he can do enough to where this exercise is worth doing. Because at the beginning of the season, this is a joke of a of a segment to go. Who's gonna Who's gonna guard Kawhi? All right, uh, Justin Jackson. All right, who's next? It's like <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. And do you worry about after? I mean, when there's no Barnes on the floor. I mean, there's nobody else that you feel like could do that. Maybe Bagley reaches that point. Uh, I don't see it. I mean, the speed of these guys, but he has the length to it. I mean, do you worry about not having a backup or you just, you know, you anytime Kawhi's off the floor, Barnes is off the floor, you match their minutes? I think I would try to match their minutes. Um, I don't see it with Bagley. I, you know, that I am really heavy on Bagley as a five. Yeah especially down the line. Um, but I, I don't see him having any potential to guard opposing small forwards. And that's part of the reason that I get so very frustrated when Vlade continues to insist that he will play some small forward and that he can play some small forward. I can get there with you on, on a four, you know, on a power forward. I can get there with you where, you know, he's young and he's athletic and he's versatile enough, quick enough that, he can guard opposing fours, and he's probably better suited to guard opposing fours than fives at this point in his career. But, yeah, no, I mean, the second option here is Corey Brewer, probably. Yeah, which lacks a little bit of size, I feel like. But you touched about Bagley. I mean, our idea of our future front court is Bagley and Giles, I feel like. Accurate in saying that, right? Accurate, yes. Hopeful, also yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And I think putting both of them in here is a good workout for it. And talking about kind of what they progress into, I, I realize it's a little difficult, but do you feel like we can run Bagley and Giles to counter a duo like Siakam and Gasol 
Or is there a different guy that we would need? I mean, I feel like that Leon Siakam's fine. And, but the Gasol Giles gets a little more questionable. Gasol definitely has been older this year, but do you feel like Giles could guard these opposing fives? So I'm going to flip it, and that's how I've always stood on this, that Giles is the four, Bagley is the five. But okay. uh, but let me get back real quick before we move on to the bigs. You had mentioned that there's a size issue with Brewer. How how tall do you think Corey Brewer is? He's probably taller than I think. I mean, he's definitely a three. Is he six? I would have guessed six six, but he's probably taller. He's listed as taller than Harrison Barnes. He's listed at six nine. Really? Yeah, okay. I, he's a big fella. I mean, he's a true three in my opinion. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if him and, and Barnes were the same height or, or you know, or even okay. again, like these measurements are so nonsense. I, yeah. You know what I mean? It I think depends it's like your driver's on. driver's license measurements. Like you're going to tell them. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, you tell them and then they decide how much they're going to add to it to, I mean, you know, they're marketing their players and they're, it's it's a whole thing, but no one is ever listed below six feet unless they're like five foot eight, and uh, and you know the whole thing with KD, yeah, where he's listed as under what is he six ten, but he's actually at least seven feet tall. Yeah, have you heard this story about about why that is? No, I, I remember hearing of it, but I can't think of it right now. So. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna have to look it up to con- to confirm that this is true, and I don't know if you can even confirm that it's true. But the rumor about it is that he is seven feet tall, and um, when he was asked why he doesn't list himself at seven feet tall, he said, uh, "Girls don't like you when you're seven feet." <laughs> that is no, I don't remember that quote. <laughs> Maybe I like heard that and misinterpreted it wrong. I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up, but. Uh, yeah, like something about 6'11 sounds cool, but when you say seven feet, it's like, oh, this dude's a freak. That, I think that was kind of what he's getting at. I kind of understand that. But not the girl part, but <laughs> it, it, there's a big difference. You know, the way they say, oh, are you 5'11 or are you six feet tall? I mean, same thing going 6'11 to 7. I mean, obviously, logically, there's not much of a difference, but no, yeah. just, you know, it sounds a whole lot bigger for some reason to some people. Yeah, uh, right, exactly. And I think another, another, another thing is that you, you kind of, what I've heard postulated about it is that he, even though he's seven feet and he has these natural gifts of size, um, he, it kind of, you, you feel like he's doing more, like he's accomplishing more if he claims to be 6'10, because man, a 6'10 guy is doing all this. But yeah. if you know that he's seven feet tall and can do all this that he can, it, it kind of takes away from his legacy in a weird way, which is, you know, silly. But again, that's an interesting point. I mean, that's kind of why I don't enjoy Durant fully and some of these guys like Giannis, because I feel like it's almost a part of their games are unfair. Obviously, there's hard work. They have an insane arsenal of moves, but it's just more enjoyable to me to see guys like Steph that are more normal for what you can be for being an NBA level athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So there's a, now I'm reading an article right now that's got the opposite, but who knows? It, none of it really matters. And this is from Barstool sports, which is a, you know, really <laughs> yeah. uncredible site, but uh, this allegedly, according to an interview there, he says, for me, when I'm talking to women, I'm seven feet. 
but in basketball circles, I say I'm six nine. So, huh. <laughs> I don't know. It's all anyway, about the women though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> I or, or we're not, and that's good too. Yeah. Anyway, um, sorry for the diversion, but uh, I also want I wanted to get back to Brewer. So yeah, he's a he's a big guy. Again, hard to know if he's. You said six six. That could totally legitimately be like spot on. He could yeah. easily be exactly six six. Uh, listed at six nine, but then RPM has him as a shooting guard, which is weird. Their their positional stuff is all off. But I noticed this the other day when we were doing uh, shooting guard defensive RPM. Brewer uh, was incredibly high on that list. I'm just pulling it up right now. He was fifth in defensive RPM. Uh, and among that's all year, like throughout his multiple teams. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I think that if you got a guy who's six foot six to six foot nine, and he's an elite defender, at least by the numbers. I mean, honestly, maybe you play Brewer on. Maybe you put Brewer on Kawhi more than than Barnes. Uh, you know, it, you probably don't want to have him out there for thirty minutes because of his offensive. Uh, you know his his offensive uh, exact. Thank you. Yes, but um, you know when Brewer's in the game, you probably want him on Kawhi. Yeah, I understand that. Actually, that size is surprising to me. I I feel like Leonard though specifically, uh, and way less KD. Leonard bodies people and really takes advantage of his strength. So, but I I agree with what you're saying. I think that Brewer can definitely give you some valuable minutes there. But looking at the four or five, I know you said you kind of like to switch it. You like Bagley guarding the five. In both of these cases, Bagley could keep up with Looney and Gasol pretty comfortably, right? Yeah, I think that that's great. I think that Bagley on Gasol is is great. I, obviously, he's not going to do an amazing job because he's 20, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, and Yeah, and he's an offense first player. But as far as chasing him out to the three-point line, Great, you know. I mean, and listen, I think that there's, you know, he's he's lacking some size and some strength, but there's going to be possessions where the 20 year old dominates the 34 year old. That I think that's yeah. going to happen. And I was going to ask, what sort of pieces to his game on both ends? I guess I think mainly defensively. Does Bagley need to add in order to guard these guys at a better rate? If we're talking sort of you know future sack championship contender level. What does he need? What tools does he need to have? Yeah, uh, you said the strength. I think that rim protection is pretty obvious there, and what lateral movement? What do you think? I think laterally he's okay. I think that it's kind of a positioning thing for him. When he goes after a block, he seems to have fairly natural instincts on that on that front. He seems to get there. There were jokes about his wingspan not being sufficient. I don't really see that. I think he plays long enough. Um, he's not like, you know, a super freakish wingspan guy who, who you can tell he's like reaching seven two, seven four. But, uh, you know, he's I think he plays big enough and long enough that when he goes for a block, he can get it. And it's it's going to be more about positioning and being an anchor for the defense going forward. Uh, I'm not. I don't feel like he needs to be uh, a defensive five right away. I think you start him at the you start him playing more four defensively, and this was again Gasol is an interesting name to have in this conversation because we talked about in the past how Gasol would be an interesting free agent target because you can essentially play Gasol as the four offensively 
and let Bagley be the five on offense and switch their roles on defense where Gasol would, could anchor a team or you get someone to anchor the team on, on defense and have Bagley range around a little bit, guard opposing stretch players. Makes sense. And then the guy that's dependent on is Harry Giles. And us putting Bagley at the five would leave Giles guarding guys like Siakam and Draymond, which are just plainly too fast for him right now. So same question for Giles. What do you feel like needs to develop on both ends, I think mainly defensively, to be able to guard these really new stretch fours, the ones that are able to put it on the floor, go coast to coast themselves. I feel like it ha- this one with Giles, it has to be that lateral movement and general just understanding opposing offenses and where to be on defense. This is probably an IQ thing, and it's probably, I mean, it's definitely a, a fouls thing. It's knowing when not to reach. Uh, it, it's knowing how to hold your ground and, and stay vertical. But uh, I think he's got the quickness and the athleticism. I, I don't see that as an issue. Um, he's, you know, he's certainly not going to be able to to match Siakam step for step. But again, these are all we're these are all going to be insufficient matchups to a degree, yeah. right? Barnes or Brewer on on Kawhi, Bagley on Gasol. It's not like these guys are going to come in there and dominate their matchup. But as far as piecing this together, I think that's fine, and, and I also think that. You can do the same thing with God, uh, with Giles and Bagley with the four or five switch where if Giles is not ready to shoot at all, if he's, uh, you know, if he, if he needs to, to stay home as the five on, uh, on offense, that's okay. He can play around the bucket for a little while longer, try to get Bagley to, to, to use his three point shot, stretch that out. And then on, on defense, if Giles, uh, if Giles is going to guard Siakam, kind of range around more, and Bagley's got to got to stay home, put a five. That's okay too. I think they're very versatile, very interchangeable, and and this would be matchup dependent. And if we're looking at the Kings on the offensive end, obviously La- Leonard is going to do a great a great job on Harrison Barnes, and Siakam will, and Gasol will take care of Bagley and Giles fairly well. I feel like Gasol could be a little slower, and I feel like this is where really kicks in us talking about we needing Fox to be more aggressive, especially if we were looking at a Golden State matchup against Steph, where he's clearly the guy that struggles here. They likely would actually throw Clay onto Fox, and then Buddy is stuck getting chased around by Steph, but that's going to leave Steph quiet and tired for the other side. Do you agree that this is kind of where a lot of our scoring, even with I really like the progression of Bagley Giles, I feel like he's going to come from these backcourts. I think that we're in big trouble. Uh, I think the Kings would be in massive trouble uh, getting their offense going against the Raptors. Certainly, yeah. against the Warriors, I, I, I let's keep it separate for now. The Raptors are going to destroy the Kings' offense if they're at full strength. And I believe the the nine point loss at home was that one of them against the Raptors. That was the first one, one hundred five, one fourteen. I believe that Kawhi didn't even play in that game, if I, if my memory is serving me correctly. I don't have that in front of me. I can find it real quick, though. I can, I can look that up as well. But, yeah, I mean, you. I think that even this Raptors team against, uh, you know, uh, uh, against a Kawhi-less... Or Kawhi the, did play 20... He had 25 points in that first game. 
Okay. And I will check the second one because this is the one where we sat Fox and Kawhi was sat in that one. Okay, so it was oh, – that's right. It was – Kawhi was out and then – and I got really excited for the Kings to have a chance. <laughs> and then and then it was announced that Fox sat that one. And I think that's – isn't that the only game yeah, Fox set out? One. So, hmm. Um, but switching towards the Warriors, you think that you think that Clay would guard Fox? I think that that's what like comparing to what they did against against Portland, where they put Clay on Dame and then they had Steph chasing CJ around. I see it as the same same type of thing because I don't worry as much about Clay getting taken off the dribble by. I mean, Steph getting taken off the dribble by Buddy rather than Fox. Like, I feel like Fox could just do whatever he wanted to Steph. I suppose that's right. So that's interesting. That's interesting. I. But yeah, the I same, can see that. Like, my other argument was that Buddy's going to tire the hell out of Steph. I mean, well, that, Steph yeah. runs miles on the other side of the court, nonstop movement. Can he really do it on both sides? You know. That's what I'm thinking as well, just as far as who's the better offensive player. You make a great point about uh, the drives where Buddy's not going to be driving uh, on Clay, so maybe that's wasting a little bit of his length and, and his defense there. So, yeah, Steph can go go around try to put a hand in, in Buddy's face. Yeah, I, I think that that's, a good, that's some good analysis there. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. And then if we're looking at defense, it's got to be keeping Fox on Steph, I feel like, and Buddy on Clay. I mean, do you, do you feel like that's right? I feel like the length kind of has it there. I think that is right. I mean, I think Steph would just demolish Buddy Heald if if Buddy was trying to to guard him. I, so I think you gotta you gotta just go Fox on Steph. Both Buddy and Clay. I mean, like we talked about, those guys are gonna be tired in this in this hypothetical matchup, just running around nonstop. Uh, next one we would have is Katie Barnes. We kind of touched on this a little bit. I mean, it's the best matchup, but. I mean, there's only so much you're going to be able to do. You're not going to be able to stop KD. It's really the same sort of thing as Leonard, right? You're able to slow him down and have some of the other guys help. I suppose so. I, I suppose that's the best you can hope for. Yeah. And then Bagley, or we said Giles on Draymond, you think? I mean, because Looney is just going to be a low post, kind of banging, trying to get some rebounds and setting screens. Who do you want pressuring the ball more often than not in Draymond's hands? I think there's another interesting case for Barnes. I mean, I'm sorry, for Brewer here. Uh, and it's something that I had said a lot on Twitter, just that I, I think that if the Kings made the playoffs, that I would want a lot of minutes going to Brewer. I, I think that we even, in one of our first episodes, talked about what our rotations would be 
if the Kings made the uh, the playoffs, who would who do want to give give minutes to? And I was out there like, man, I want Brewer to get twenty minutes easy. Um, and I think that you could put Brewer on KD, and it's not going to go well. But at least you have that pesterer, that that guy with the uh, the know how, the savviness, the craftiness. He's probably he could get in KD's head a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe, uh, do you put Barnes on Draymond? I, I mean, or do you, do you have Brewer, uh, do you match Iguodala, uh, minute for minute with Brewer, with Brewer? Do you put Brewer out there on Iggy when he's out there? Hmm. That's interesting. I don't worry about Iggy too much on the offensive end. I think that he can, he can pass well, but I don't worry about his shooting. I mean, he has smart back cuts, but that's interesting. So with you, with you throwing Brewer in here a lot, does that mean you really feel like there's a need for this backup small forward that can play some defense? No question, yeah. Okay. And right now, just talking next year, that would be bringing Brewer back probably, right? You know I'm on board for that. Um, yeah. The You know, I've one other free agent that I've thrown out there a lot that I would love to take a look at is Danny Green, who we yeah. talked about a little bit today. Yeah. But there'll be, there's more too. I mean... We, we threw out some names on our unheard, uh, the, you know, the deep sleeper free agent podcast. Threw out a lot of small forwards in that one. Uh, Demar Carroll's probably more of a four now. I'd love to give James Ennis a real look. Okay. Uh, Tomas Sadoransky is more of a guard, but he's a big guard. He could play a little bit of defensive three if he needs to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that I want the Kings to, uh, spend some draft capital at the wing position. So, um, yeah, I, I absolutely think that it's it's in need of an upgrade, that position. Yeah. And you touched on Danny Green really quick. I made a list of free agents to watch that are going to be involved in the finals, kind of watching it from a King's point of view. And most of these guys we've mentioned on that most recent episode, there's Quinn Cook, a very intriguing backup point guard option. Jordan Bell and Kavon Looney are both restricted free agents as well. I mean, maybe potential there for the five. There's Danny Green, like you touched on, and Marcus Soule has a player option, so that's questionable. Um, I, it's on the less likely end, obviously. And then the other two, which very likely could get no minutes in this series, but I think could both be decent pieces, would be Jeremy Lin and Patrick McCall also. So those are just some guys to sort of keep an eye on in this series and build what you think about each of them there. It is a little bit grim that the two guys that probably won't get minutes are the two most likely signings yeah. for the Kings. Yeah, and I actually like both of those guys. I mean, for being, what, the eighth guy off the bench. I think Lynn is going to get a real uh, a real talking to from the Kings front office about, uh, I think he's going to have a real chance to be approached by uh, Vlade this offseason. What do you think? Tell me more about McCaw. And by the way, before we talk about his on-court game, did you see the tweet? <laughs> yes, I did, and it was hilarious. All right, I'm going to pull it up just because <laughs> it was, like, pure comedy. Yeah. Man. And so what I like about him, I mean, he's not a great three-point shooter. Um, I like his defensive intensity, though. I think that he has... Nice defense that he hustles on that end. And I don't know. It was just an idea for a very cheap backup three. I mean, it's definitely not one of my top options, but 
he's young. He's always been a little too skinny for me. Um, and that hasn't gotten much better with time, but you know, I mean, it is upward of 30% from deep, which isn't great, but I guess it's capable. So I don't know. I thought it was just potential there. I'm not super high on him. Yeah. Here's the tweet. Say what you want. All caps, by the way, (laughs) say what you want. Three straight NBA finals appearances. I can't make this up. My faith got me here. Nothing but God. Zero worries. Zero deaths. 100. Respect that. Respect the uh, giving it up to God and all that. But, yeah, man. I mean, he actually played a decent amount of minutes in his first year. But, oh, yeah. Not a lot of playing time recently. Not sure. Not sure about all of that. But I'm also not sure he's really a small forward. That's fair. They have listed at 6'7". He's pretty, yeah, he's pretty tall and pretty long, but he's also pretty light in the shorts. Yeah. 185. I, I think he's, he played a lot at the two. I don't know. I don't know. And I think there's legitimate questions about his personality of this whole not taking the contract in Golden State, but then not communicating with anybody at all either. That was weird. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we don't know all the details, but I think that, does add another question mark to a player that's not already not great. I mean, little things like that when you don't offer a great amount on the court can make a difference. And I think that there's like a warrior's shine that a lot of guys have. We yeah. often think, oh man, this guy from the Warriors is going to go on the free agent market. Like, I think it's happening with Looney, honestly. Yeah, they have one every year. I feel like it was Ian Clark. Ian Clark, I was just going to say. Alfonso McKinney is going to come up pretty soon. Looney, like you said right now, there is an effect of that. There is an effect. And these guys are are just replacement-level players. And if you can be a replacement-level player in that Warriors system, people make the mistake of thinking that that's uh, a player with star potential. It's it's not. It's not. Yeah. And maybe the first guy in that was Barnes. And I think he's on another level than that. But he's almost the first sort of fit in that mold. I suppose that's a good point. But also, you know, the difference there is Barnes was pick number seven in the draft and had that pedigree. Clark was undrafted. McCaw was second round pick. You know, uh, Looney, I believe, was second round or late drafted. Yeah, so uh, even guys like, I think you threw out Damian Jones, who I think was pick 30 a few years back, and it's like he's done nothing of note really in his NBA career, and he wasn't that outstanding as even a, a, a collegiate player, but then they hit the Warriors, and it's like, oh man, well, this guy must be good if he's on a good team. Yeah, which definitely isn't always the case. I mean... Yeah, so I think that's interesting. I guess real quick, before we... The next thing I had for you was kind of getting Sacramento to championship-level contender. Just seeing what that game plan, what we kind of think that looks like year-wise and things like that. But do we want to drop our predictions for the finals? Yeah, we can do that. I, uh, you know, in honor honor of uh, our new Canadian assistant coach here in Sacramento... (laughs) I'll go ahead and uh, I'll take the I'll take. I mean, listen, the war. I, I mean, listen. Well, when right? do you think Durant is back? If he I, comes back, right? 
I don't know. I mean, I, part of me, the conspiracy theorist part of me thinks that there's a chance that, uh, that, uh, that Katie wants to sit out for the first few games and let the Warriors get in hot water and come back and save the day. And also part of me thinks that the Warriors want that to happen too. Uh, in, in order is like kind of their pitch to, to rectify things and, and retain him is, man, we couldn't have done this without you, Katie. Here's your second finals MVP. You did it in only four games. We were in an O2 hole. Um, you know, I think that he's probably, I think he's probably back. You know, I forgot. I made my prediction earlier of it being Golden State in seven, thinking that, oh yeah, Golden State will win it on their home floor. Mm. And that, I forgot that's backwards. I forget Toronto is going to be the first two games at home here. So, I mean, I still think that Golden State's better. In Toronto, right. they really impressed me last series, and I thought that they had this talent, but they looked terrible at times in that Philly series, and there was a little bit of even that Orlando series. Obviously, you're not putting the pedal to the metal against Orlando, but they just I don't trust their bench to produce the same way that they did in this Milwaukee series. Not to say that Golden State has a better bench, though. I don't know. I just still think that Golden State has it here. So I guess I'm changing it to Golden State in six. You're taking Golden State in six? I am. All right. I'm happy. I'm glad you did that because uh, now we can compete a little bit. I'll take the Raptors in seven. And, you know, I kind of want the Raptors to win this. I That's what this is. You know what I mean? Like, I Who doesn't? I'm trying as hard as I can to pitch myself on that. And I think that I can do it. I think I think that I can I can pitch myself into into this and saying that you know that the KD's injury will hurt them. That maybe they just you know there's enough infighting and there's enough depth problems and there's you know just enough heart in the Toronto Raptors team that they get it done. So. I'll I'll hoodwink myself into Raptors in seven. All right, we'll keep an eye on this. And to compare this team to Golden State, the Kings, when Golden State won their first championship in 2014-15, the age of these guys, Steph Curry was 27, Harrison Barnes was the young guy, 23, Draymond and Clay were both 25. And obviously looking at some of the Kings guys' ages, De'Aaron Fox, 21. Buddy Heald is already in that range. He's 26, only younger than Curry was at that time by a year. Marvin Bagley's 20. And we have a similarity of Harrison Barnes, only 26 still. Harry Giles is only 21. How many years out do you feel like these Kings are from getting to championship-level contender and say saying that they're a top-five team? What, are we talking... What what would you reasonably say is the best outcome in a you know in the playoffs? Like, what's the best? What's the furthest that you can get in the playoffs? Um, conference finals, like until so, they so, can reach conference finals. So, what if they go seven games in in the second round? Is that can we call that team a a title contender? Because that's what top five would be, I guess. Mm, let's. I guess let's say. Conference finals. Okay. I saw an article recently of 
Daryl Morrow, Daryl Morey, the, the Rockets GM, saying that his job every year is to get them to the conference finals, and then from there they can take it the rest away. That he feels like reaching conference finals is a major milestone there. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I uh, I don't know, man. So let me start off by saying that I'm not convinced that this team is going to be that. I, I don't. I I think that the, that it's possible, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to sit here and be like, there is a date and time where this team will be in the conference finals. Yeah. Um, the probability of it, I think, is fairly low that this core has constructed will make the conference finals. I think it's probably. So let me, let me do the, the math out loud here and, and you tell me if I'm crazy. So there is uh, 15 teams in each conference. The conference finals is two of those teams. So that's about, I believe that's about a 12 or 13%. If, if you were just to say every team is equal, equal odds, is that right? So it'd be one out of percent uh, is what I have. Thirteen percent. So, so if I'm going over thirteen percent, that means I think that they're better than average shot to make a, a conference finals uh, in the near future. And if I'm going under, it's worse. I, I feel like I, I guess that make it a little easier of saying when you think they have home court advantage in the playoffs. Okay, I like that. I like that. That's that's when are they essentially when are they a top, you know, uh, top eight team or top four in the West? This is still. I'm just. I got to do it out loud in my head. I, I think that it's. This is tough. I think that there's a possibility of that in the next five years. Okay. Um. So, but let's but let's try to who's falling out of it. That's because this for me is much easier. With the West, the way that it is, how crazy strong the West is, I, I need to do it by who's falling out of the playoffs. And let's build it from there. Are you cool with that? Yeah, that sounds good to me. And one note I wanted to throw in, I don't know if you feel like this is relevant to guys like Bagley Giles, but it seems like the fourth year is a big jump year for a lot of people. We saw Jimmy and Giannis both win their most improved that year. It's just a very common year. I believe Oladipo's was fourth years as well. It's just a very common year for that big jump. Uh, D'Angelo Russell this year, fourth year. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So that was about my time frame was uh, the same as you, four or five years. Do you feel like I feel like I can say Golden State will be out by then? Yes, that's this is the most important thing. I mean, it's when is when are Curry and Clay and Draymond uh, and if KD stays around, when are they aging out of of title contention? It's not that long, actually. It's not, yeah. It's crazy with the amount of running that they do and their style. I mean, Steph Curry is thirty one years old. He's gonna in four years. I think they're done. At least I, they could still be a top four team, but I don't know. I I. I, I 
It'd be safer to bet that they fall out, I feel like. In five years? I let's, think so. let's say five years. So That works fine for me. So 36-year-old Curry. Yeah, Curry's 36. I th- Even though I think his game will be pretty, you know, will age pretty well because he's, you know, such an incredible shooter. You don't necessarily need athleticism for that. It helps, but you don't necessarily need to be a great athlete for that. I think, for instance, he'll be a better – Steph Curry at 36 will be a lot better than a Chris Paul at 36. Yeah. Uh, or John Wall at 36, God forbid. Oh, God. Um, you know, so, yeah, I think that at that point I'm ready to count them out. Steph Curry would be 36. Clay, I think, 34. would be – Okay. Iggy's obviously gone. Yeah, Iggy's gone. Uh, K- I think by that ch- – Katie's not staying here for five, no. five more years. Draymond would be 34. So, yeah, Draymond will age out much more quickly than the other guys. We've already started to see it, see it a little bit, honestly. Yeah. So, so yeah, all right, let's get them out of there. They're not going to be uh, – they're not going to have a home home, uh, home home court advantage in the playoffs. I think I'm taking Houston out too. Absolutely. I think they're the next team you got to take out. Chris Paul will be dead. Uh, you know, his <laughs> funeral will have million. <laughs> came and went. Yeah. Uh, James Harden will be 34. I believe so. He's not going to, I mean, even if he is uh, still an all-star, which is possible, he's not going to be a super, he's not going to be an elite top five type player, top 10 type player. Good. Get them out of there. What about Portland? These ones are interesting to me. I think that they fall out. I think that Damian and McCollum, I think that they're going to ride them until the end of their careers. And Dame will be 33, which is definitely declining. CJ is going to be 30, 32, so a little bit younger. I think that they'll be more relevant than someone like Golden State Houston, but I still don't think I'd say top four. Yeah, that's fair. I think that they're going to be supermaxing Lillard, and that's going to really limit their ability to stay competitive as he declines. So, yeah, there you go. I'm cool with that. I think Denver, we got to keep in the mix, though. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, Jamal Murray's only 22 right now. He'd be 27 at the time. Jokic is 24. He'd only be 29 at the time. Both of these guys in their prime. Denver's here to stay for a while. Agreed. And I think the same can be said for Utah. Um, you've got Donovan Mitchell, obviously still a young guy. He'll be 27 right in the peak of his career. Gobert will be 31. That's fine. Um, you know, I, I think that the sort of peripheral guys, Ingles, even, you know, Rubio could leave this year, potentially Crowder. You know, I could see that. But I think that the basis of there, you got Mitchell and Gobert, two elite, you know, relatively elite players. I think at that point in time, that's we can't just strike them off and and say that the Kings have a better shot at being competitive. Then I think that's fair. And then obviously this is the hardest part to predict, but I think that you know having those two guys, that there's a good chance that they could land another as well. I know that they're actually serious yes. thoughts for Tobias Harris, for example, this summer, but that'll be happening for a few years. I I like putting Utah up there. Yeah, and they still have some functional picks uh, and some functional young guys. I mean, I'm not super high on Grayson Allen, but didn't the dude score like 40 points in the game? So yeah, he did when nobody <laughs> else played, but, you know, it happened. 
Yeah, but and they've got enough capital where they could trade for another guy. They could sign another guy. So, yeah, I'm keeping them in the mix. Are you? Do you think Greg Popovich has retired by this point? Yes, I think that San Antonio's out. I think San Antonio could be out next year, to be honest. I don't think that they have great passive improvement. I do really like DeJounte Murray, Derek White, but your leaders being DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge, that is going to slow you down. They will not miss the playoffs as long as Popovich (laughs) is the coach. I I hope not. I just can't. I can't imagine that world ever coming to pass that that scenario so uh but by then i think pop will have he'll broken all the records he needs to and and i think he'll probably move on yeah uh how about okc okc's out for me i think that westbrook and paul george both are in their primes right now they're going to be past it obviously stephen adams will be towards the end of his also and just something drastic needs to happen there. I think that they're they're kind of a wild card because I feel like things are going to change there within these five years, but I would count them out. I agree. I think that a rebuild is coming to OKC sooner than most people realize. Yeah. Now, here's another real contender, the Clippers. I think the Clippers are going to be up there. I yep. think that they have everything going in the right direction. They have great management, great coaching. Amazing pieces for the future. They have a Philly first, their own first. They have a Miami first in two years, unprotected. Miami could be really bad by then. Um, they have nice pieces and yes. they could be getting two big young guys just this offseason. And I just think they're in the right direction. I think the Clippers are up there. Yeah, they could be a powerhouse by then if everything breaks right. Um, now the biggest, probably the toughest one to call, honestly, is the late, you know where I'm going. Yeah. Across town. How about the Lakers? I mean, it's great right now how terribly run this organization is. It is all going to hell. Did you see the video that I posted of Rob Polinka talking about when he signed, uh, Mike, uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope? No. Oh my God. It is so funny. Like, he quotes this Bible verse and talks about oh. when bread fell from the sky. And he's oh. like, and I think that that's what KCP is to us. He's our bread falling from the sky to save us. <laughs> I was like, wow, dude, this is, uh, do you realize what player that you're talking about right now? Yeah, I, um, the right now, if you haven't read it, if you're a Kings fan, <laughs> you have read this article and you have, rejoiced in it you've probably printed it out oh, you probably uh have have pasted it all over your bedroom on the ceiling of your bedroom you probably will go to sleep uh uh reading it tonight it is it's uh it's the feature on espn it's been up up there all day um by baxter holmes uh senior writer for espn uh titled Let's see here. Titled, uh, Inside the Lakers Culture of Fear, Distrust, and Anxiety. And, uh, it's rough, man. I mean, it's a long article. Go take a look, but it is, it describes a lot of dysfunction. Apparently, Magic, when he was brought on, he basically was like, it's my way or the highway talking to everyone on his staff. Yeah, I got, he said, I I have a thousand resumes on my desk, my desk, and if you're, (laughs) You know, I'll replace you in a second if you question me, which is a weird thing to do for a guy who's like not even really interested yeah. in the job. 
Yeah, it, it's it's completely terrible. And to go on first take and talk bad about Rob Palinka, apparently Palinka was constantly in there during the the uh, the meetings, during halftime, during post games, pre games, all this stuff, and that's very irregular for a GM to do that. Apparently, Walton kind of tried to talk to him about it, and then Palinka came out and said that, or Walton came up to him saying, you know, Bob Myers when I was in Golden State didn't really do this. And Palinka was like, no, Myers, Myers does this now. I talked to him. And it also said in the article that they contacted Golden State and Golden State said that Myers doesn't do that anymore. And there were a couple different instances of Palinka kind of BSing to guys' faces. And, you know, what's crazy, all this being said, LeBron will be 39 in five years. I think they have really nice young pieces that it's going to go to AD or some Bradley Beal or someone that's nice and up and coming. I do think that I include the Lakers up here. That's a hot take for me. Um, first of all, let me just reiterate, go read this article. It is, it is amazing. All the, the details about the panic attacks and the, and the, the screaming matches and the dysfunction. It's truly, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful read for a Kings fan. But, uh, back to the basketball side of things. I don't know that I can get there with you because I don't believe that at the end of the day, the Lakers are going to stick with youth. I think there's just as much of a chance that this group of young guys ends up scattered through the league or in New Orleans um, or somewhere, you know, Washington, if, you know, part of this, uh, part of a, a trade here is for bad deal. I think that we know, you and I both know that as uh, impeccable and as invincible as LeBron has been throughout his career, it's the cracks are showing and there's no way that he is going to be uh, at the top of his game in five years. Obviously I think we know that it's, he's, he's already starting to, to turn towards the end of his career. He's 34 now. So there's no way a 40 year old LeBron essentially is going to be making an impact. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, but I think they're going to leverage everything that they possibly can to get him uh, another ring or to get him, back to the finals. So I, th- I think everyone's getting, getting sold off. Say they got Bradley Beal in AD though. I mean, then you're looking at a, what is it? 29 year old AD and 31 Bradley Beal. I mean, it's a little bit on the older side, but AD's so good that I feel like they're a playoff team. Maybe not top four. Maybe not top four. You're right about AD, but I don't know. I, I just, for some reason, this maybe it's this article with all the dysfunction in the front office. Yeah. I th- I think that they really sell out their future for the next two or three years, and five years from now, Anthony Davis could request a trade away from the Lakers, uh, or it could be you know his next contract will be up by then. Say he say his his you know around then, if he were to be traded to L.A., he's got one year left. Maybe he re-signs a four-year deal. Maybe he re-signs a five-year deal. So five or six years, he could be on his way out again, or he could be in the last year of his deal agitating his way out of L.A. Fair points. And I want to ask your opinion of an East Coast team, only because I feel like it's fairly similar to the Lakers in a way. Um, How do you feel about looking at New York's future? Because they're these storied franchises that you kind of just think are going to eventually come around, but they're terribly ran. Yeah, I don't believe in the New York Knicks. Okay. 
I, I think that there's a chance that they hit Kawhi and Durant, and then at that point I'll reassess. But until that day comes, um, not interested in considering them a contender. Okay. And I guess we were just saying what guys that we think are serious contenders down the line. But if we want to compare these to the Kings, like the Lakers are definitely below the Kings for me if we're talking five years down the line. How do you feel that the Kings sit among the Clippers, the Jazz, and the Nuggets? The Clippers, the Jazz, and the Nuggets, I think you can make uh, the case that they're in the mix. Um, I mean, we're going to have to put the numbers at a certain point here, so I'll do the reverse of that and say, you know, I don't believe in Phoenix. Honestly, I just don't. Uh, they, they're not getting a high pick this year. They're not a great market for your free agents. Uh, yeah. they, I don't believe in them coming up behind the Kings very fast. And I certainly would give better odds to the Kings there. Uh, the Pelicans, I think that they're in a great spot getting Zion, but I'm also not going to say that that team is going to eclipse the Kings necessarily. The uh, the Mavericks is what I'm going to get to in a second. Minnesota, I don't believe in. I think they're stuck with bad contracts and Memphis. You know, also similar to the Pelicans, I think, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant will be a great team, you know, a great tandem to work forward from. But, you know, Memphis, New Orleans, and then obviously Luka in Dallas, I think that they're, they're the, the other team I might put ahead of the Kings because you're going to have Porzingis, depending on his health and his, his whole situation. You could have Dallas. I think that Dallas and, and uh, Sacramento are on the same level uh, looking forward, and I think they can add another max player, and I think they probably will get that done. So five years from now, I think that's probably the mix. You got Denver, you got Utah, you got the Clippers, maybe uh, you know, and the Kings in there with Dallas, and then maybe Memphis and New Orleans coming up behind them. But that's the best window. That's the best. You know, We're going into the crystal ball here. And that's the best window I could see for the Kings is, is about five years from now, the 2024-25 season. I'm on board with you there. And is there any of those teams that you feel like st- really stand out as better than the others? I feel like interesting ones would probably be Denver and, I mean, the other ones all have question marks to them. Like Denver has it set. And I feel like Sacramento is almost the same way in there. Along with some of the others, but I really do feel like, you know, if you're trying to break those down into tiers a little bit, that does Sack go in the very top? It's the clip show, baby. You think? that, that I, one, I really do like them, and I think they're going in the right direction, but there's just a lot of question marks based on, like, who they get. You know, say they get a Jimmy Butler sure. this offseason. But they keep it so flexible, and they somehow manage to have relevant picks in every draft that... I think that if they don't get it done this offseason, they, they're going to be players in every offseason going forward. I think that if I'm putting money on who's the number one seed in five years, I'm probably going with the clip show. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I just trust that. I trust their front office. I trust their coach. I trust their key young players. Uh, I think that that's, I, I don't know. I, I think they're probably, they're, my money's on them. I think, Dallas is in the mix. I think Denver is in the mix. Yeah. And moving forward for Sacramento, talking, you know, a five-year plan, aside from developing these young guys, and obviously there's a lot of questions that we still don't know how some of these are going to fully develop, like Bagley-Giles, what do you feel like 
aside from the young guys developing and filling in with role players, different holes here and there, what do you feel like needs to happen for this team to be reaching that sort of level that we're talking of? Is there anything besides that, or is this the core? Yeah, a lot needs to be done. I want to, just before we get into that, and that can be our last topic uh, for the day, I wanted just to ask you maybe, we don't have to get as in-depth, but who do you think they're likely to face in, in the finals? If they were, if the Kings were to end up in the finals in five years, cool. pick, a, pick a couple of favorites. Yeah. Um, well, Milwaukee and Philadelphia are easy ones. Because, obviously, just the young talent. I have a little bit of homerism to me, obviously, but I do think that Boston's in there. I think that they have a lot of assets, and they have these young guys that they're Brandon, not going to rush anything. Do you think I'm crazy for this? Your home is Sacramento. This bro. is true. This is On true. many levels, including the little one. You're you right. Can't, so you can no longer be a homer for Boston. You're right. That's not what I mean. Uh, wrong word choice. Okay, good point. Good point. But Sorry, I gotta abuse you a little bit. It's I know the listeners want me to abuse you for this Boston thing. I don't blame you. I mean, you exposed me in the first place. I feel like we have to mention this and somehow crap on the Celtics I, every podcast. I didn't. I didn't try to expose you. I said <laughs> you got a you got a little you got a little fandom for Boston. I was ready to cover up with you. I, you know, I do I do cover ups, bro. Yeah. So. Okay. So. Other teams, I feel like those three are in there. Toronto, I'm not going to put in that same boat. Orlando kind of interests me, but it's, I mean, really the top two is Milwaukee, Philadelphia. Interesting. See, I think Toronto's actually got a better chance of staying relevant than Milwaukee in some ways. Why is that? You signed Majiri. That makes sense. I mean, probably executive of the year this year. I've have heard things, and this is obviously just occasional words here and there of him being interested in taking other jobs. Yeah, I mean that's a great point too. So I don't know. I just think that they've I think that they've done a great job bringing up young players. That's important. I think yeah. that they have made the right moves. That's important. And I think Milwaukee is their cap situation is an underrated problem. Agreed, but it's just Giannis to me. I mean, I feel like Giannis and Embiid are really what, and they have other okay young talent. Philadelphia has a larger or a wider group of them rather than Milwaukee just having the singular best one. But those two guys, I mean, those two teams have plenty of people that I feel like will still be relevant and contributing on a high level in five years. It's interesting because all of these top four teams feel like they could be relevant. Uh, Milwaukee, yeah. Toronto, Philly, and Boston. I feel like there's a way that they stay the top four in five years, which feels impossible to me in the West. Atlanta I wonder, really interests me. Atlanta interests me. I, I'm i not interested in them in the top four scenario, but it's interesting. You desperately need some defense. Yeah, I just I can't count on it. I think that in in a few years they could be – like the sixth seed, like they could take over the Nets spot. Okay. Maybe the Nets move up if they get a max guy. Uh, difference maker and D'Lo continues to improve. But what do you think about Chicago? Not interested. No, I'm not too much either. I think that they have some nice guys. The Cavs, interestingly, I mean, I don't think that they're a good market. They're not 
very well ran. I think they've been better, but they have somewhere between six and eight expiring contracts next year. And go next offseason, they're going to have 80 million plus of cap space. So I think that they're at least doing the rebuild the right way, and that's a positive sign. Unlike yeah, teams they like are Washington and Miami. They're making the right long-term decisions, and and sometimes that means being worse now and being worse next year to be better two years, three years down the road. Still not top four though in five years. Nowhere near that. The problem is I that that can also mess you up. Where if you've got a terrible team and a lot of cap space, you're just going to end up paying all the worst. You know, the worst guys that are worthy of big money. So exactly, Auto you know, exactly. It's this. I mean, it's yeah, absolutely. And it can get worse than that. I mean, it can truly get worse than that. I mean, yeah, the the Kevin Love's contract is such oh, a nightmare. I didn't realize the extension starts this offseason. It hasn't even started yet. It's an absolute nightmare. Oh, and it, it might be the worst contract in the league. John Wall is pretty bad too. That's true. That's true. The injury made that one even worse. But I would have rather had a healthy John Wall for that time. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah, uh, whew, man. I mean, I would rather have Chandler Parsons uh, than Kevin Love on my it's team like right somebody now. Somebody wants to stay in Cleveland. We have to keep them. Disastrous. So, and you you could see them ending up just giving like offering maxes to anyone who will take one, and it, it continuing to not grow great. So I don't know. But what's interesting here is that. Do you think there's a chance that the power swings to the Eastern Conference in the next five years with Milwaukee, Toronto, Philly, and Boston? Because honestly, looking at every one of these teams, they might be the top four, period, both both conferences. I think in five years, long-term talent, it might go west. But I would say within the next two to three, I could give it to these East teams pretty comfortably. I think right now, I mean, those top four in the East – Boston was really under, not very impressive, but I think that their talent, you could justify putting Golden State one and then really putting Milwaukee and Toronto as the second and third best in teams in the league, maybe throwing Philadelphia in there. If we're talking top six, top six teams, four of them right now are probably in the Eastern Conference. If Jimmy and Tobias stay in Philly, and Kyrie stays in Boston, and Ka- and Kawhi for some reason decides to stay in Toronto. Well, I guess there's legitimate reason. Yeah. If those four players stay, uh, the East is going to be better than the West as soon as the Warriors and and the Rockets start to fall off. Which I don't think is that long. No, I think that within two to three years, like you're saying, uh, that that is going to happen because guys like Tatum and Brown. And Ben Simmons are going to hit their primes. Like, you know, these are still very good players that will improve. And Oladipo and Miles Turner are an interesting one also. They also have max cap space if they make a couple moves. I think Indiana is a sleeper in this also. The King's Pulse podcast is now available on the app Podcoin. That is an app where you literally get paid to listen to podcasts. Our podcast is on there. There's plenty of other great content as as well. How it works is for regular listening, you earn one pod coin every 10 minutes. There's bonus podcasts as well that will include the King's Pulse podcast that you earn one and a half pod coins for 10 minutes. And there's also streak listening where you can earn up to two or two and a half per 10 minutes and you can put those pod coins 
towards gift cards and other prizes as well that have a cash value. Be sure to download PodCoin and listen to our podcast and the rest of the podcasts that are on there as well. Let's now go to our final topic here, which is the blueprint for the Kings. Uh, I want to start with the core players. Who Are you seeing everybody staying? Are, is, does someone have to go? Looking at these, these, I think it's a core six, right? Or a core five or core six. Who, who do you view as the core? What do you, you have, what are you thinking? Do you have Barnes in that core for you? I do. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm the same way with there. I think that it's the six guys. It's Fox, Buddy Barnes, Bagley, Giles, and Bogey's in there also. I think if you have to take guesses, it, who could not be there? I mean, the very obvious one, the one that we throw in these trade hypotheticals is Bogey. And I think that maybe that there's a piece you get for him or something. Maybe the fit doesn't seem right. But I also could see him remaining on this team. And Buddy's also going to be 31 when we're talking five years down the line. But I do feel like this is the core. Um, interestingly, I think that maybe Giles could see his way off the roster in the future. I don't want it at all. I think that he loves it in Sacramento. I'm very glad to have him here. But guys that I could see maybe in the future, if they're not panning out as quickly as they want him to, and the other guys start to really pick it up, Bagley can't, or Giles can't keep up with the speed that maybe they move him, something like that. But I feel pretty comfortable. Fox buddy, Barnes, I do think that we're going to end up keeping for a while and Bagley as well. It, it really, the, the three untouchables, I'm confident 100% going to be there. Fox buddy Bagley. And then the other three that have some question marks, but more than likely there, Barnes, Giles, Bogey. Interesting. I had a very similar breakdown here. I think that healed and, uh, and uh, let me rephrase that. I think that Fox, Buddy, Bagley, Barnes, that's my, truly, that's my core four. Uh, I think that Barnes will be resigned. I think it will be a long-term deal. And so at least for the next four, yeah. let's say five seasons, and again, that sticks with what we talked about with, you know, when their, when they, when their championship window could peak. I think that you re-sign Barnes for a four-year deal, maybe a three-year deal and, and keep him around for less after that. Something like that. He could even keep his option, the one-year option. He could, he could opt in and then be re-signed at the end of that season. I think that these gotta be your four. You've got yourself great elite young point guard prospect. You got yourself a great big, uh, a great prospect uh, in a big man and, and Marvin Bagley. You've got yourself a solid as a rock wingman in Barnes and then a lights out shooter in Buddy. All 26 or younger. I mean, that's how you do this. That's how you have to do this. So a guy like Bogey, if he has to be sort of cannon fodder to make this work, I'm okay with that. A guy like Giles, you hate to see it. I would literally cry. But it's just, it's if there's going to be sacrifices, I think it's got to be those two guys. I'm a little bit more, I feel, I guess I'm a little bit higher on Barnes than you as far as keeping him around as, as a necessary part of the core. 
But I also think there's a way to keep all these guys around. We get a lot of questions in, yeah, on, in, in, on Reddit, in Twitter. A lot of people ask about the money keeping these guys around. Have you gotten into any of that at all? A little bit. You want to break down the extensions they got coming up for these young guys? Yeah, so we will – that's the problem is we, we don't know what they'll be exactly. But as far as my concern, it's essentially zero because the way that this is all going to break down, basically let's say that Harrison Barnes accepts his player option for next year. Just this is going to – everything's going to be on the high side here. So as far as the, the estimates will be on the high side, it might, they might end up being lower than this. But say Barnes takes the $25 million, $100,000 option, that means that Barnes, Bogey, Bagley, Fox, and Heald together are only making $53 million. <clears throat> and then Giles, you can, you can add him into there. Uh, they're only about $55 million, $56 million total. That's really manageable. The next year, you're going to have to extend Barnes... Uh, or resign Barnes, extend Bogey, and extend Heald. This is going to be a big jump. Um, what do you think I should? How should we put their salaries going forward? What do you think is a fair estimate for their salaries? I think that for for Bar for Bagley, I'm sorry, so many B's on this team. For Buddy, I think that we could look at a four year. $100 million contract. Agreed. I think that's a great estimate. Let's pencil him in at 25 going forward. How about for Bogey? Bogey, if we're also looking four years, do I even want to give him 20? I mean, is he going to take a four-year $60 million contract? I'm. Let's, yeah. What it's do you a good question. Is that too low? I don't think so at all. I I was really high on him earlier in the season. He had a rough season. The injury stuff is real. I think that he could take 15 or honestly a little bit less. Yeah, I was I was kind of wanting to say less from the Kings point of view, but I'm curious what Bogey takes. I mean, this is going to be his big first big contract, you know. Right. So, let's just say he makes 15, I'm but good. he makes but he makes 25. Okay. And that, and that wouldn't start next year. It would start the year after. So we've right, so, five years total. Right. So now we're in 2020-21. And this core six guys together combined are only still making $78 million. Yep. Now going on to 2021-22. Uh, oh, oh, by the way, I'm building into this a Harrison that Harrison Barnes extension. Let's put that – you want to put that at $20 million a year? I'm good with that. Okay, so tw- if we're going twenty million a year, then we're almost at eighty million uh, for the core six in twenty 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 one. Now twenty one twenty two. Now we're going to have to max De'Aaron Fox, right? Yep. Which would it's, be five year. Right now, a super a max contract is five year one hundred and fifty eight. Right, and it's so it can go. It might. It's going to go up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Fox, let's say he I makes the like, max at that point. Yeah, I feel like you can say it's about $28 million for the first year of it. And we're going to have to extend Giles. And now I don't – this is the one that's hard yeah. for me to predict because, you know, maybe he – maybe he's off the team. Maybe he 
is re-signed for five, six million a year, maybe he explodes on onto the scene as a star, and he's yeah. got to get twenty million a year. And then maybe that's the point where we're forced to tr- forced to trade Bogey to fit Giles in. Right, but my point here overall is that even if we give high estimates, say in twenty twenty one, Barnes is making twenty million, Bogey's making fifteen million, Fox is making almost thirty million, Buddy's making twenty five. Uh, and you know Bagley will still be on his his rookie scale deal, although it'll be on the high side with that number two pick. He'll be making eleven million. Yeah. Even all that combined, you're still one hundred and one was what I think he counted up to. Yeah, so even you know even with say Giles makes fifteen, just as a kind of splitting the difference, so like best case scenario, you're still about one hundred and twenty, and that's going to be under the salary cap based on the projections that the league has given its teams and its owners. Yeah, exactly. So I think that there's a real way to keep this all together. But do you feel like the talent of those guys is enough to be a championship contender level core moving forward? Obviously, you're going to have pieces that you need to fill in, and some of them are going to be really nice, like an Iguodala type piece was to the Warriors and things like this, which I guess we're kind of thinking Barnes is. But aside from filling in holes, do you feel like that those guys can carry that load enough and take this team that far? I think they either are or they're not, and and that's like it's too bad if they're not. But you're riding you know, with it, like. Good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm riding for sure. Okay, uh, exactly. because there's nothing else that they can really do. If this, if Fox and Buddy and and Barnes and Bagley can't be a core four, and you know can't be built around then it's it's a moot point because that you can't reinvent this team this team is going to be this team going forward yes you can rebuild but it won't happen in that time frame you're not going to scrap this all out and then suddenly get a new contender in the next in three years from then you know what i mean agreed yeah the main i guess the main question was you're comfortable riding with this group and i'm on board with you i think that this is what we have to do I'm comfortable writing with the group, and I'll also point out that with the way that these extensions are all set up, um, you know, there's one. This this off season is the season to sign a max player if the Kings can. I have come around on the concept of Vucevic. Is that shocking to you? It is. I, I, I mean, you're all about Bagley at the five. I am all about Bagley at the five, but I've come around to the fact that. Now is the can, time to do it. Now is the time to do it. You, you, if if you're gonna be based on the way that the salary cap works, just be bold and be a little bit crazy. And if you're gonna have to make an overpay, make the overpay. If we could sign Butler, I would. If you can sign Tobias Harris, I would. I, you know, I don't think those are super realistic. If you can sign Vucevic, it feels a little more realistic. And I just do it and then deal with the consequences later. I know that's not the most responsible thing to do. I know that if that's the type of thing that would get me fired as a GM, but you infuse the roster with talent and then you have a ticking time bomb of four years down the road. You know, if you have to uh, max Fox at the max Bagley, potentially if you're signing, if Giles breaks out and he's making 15, 20 million a year, it's going to become a, a over the luxury tax team. If you do have Vucevic, but I'm rolling those bones. You know what I mean? I think that this is the way to go. We can make the money work. I just, uh, Vujovic is interesting to me. I think that we can break down 
who we would and wouldn't give a max contract to. Maybe that can be one of our episodes for looking ahead to free agency once we're a little bit closer to that. Vucevic is interesting. I understand what you're saying with this is the time to do it, though. It's the same way of, of course, I'm going to relate to the Celtics of this Gordon Hayward, Al Horford contracts of you have them with this max money getting overpays, really, uh, because you don't have to worry about paying the young guys for a little while. It's the same timeline situation. So I get it. I just haven't come around to Vucevic like you have. Right. And and you actually make a great point, even though you referenced the Celtics, (laughs) which is that the the Hayward experiment has gone about as bad as it could have possibly gone for them. Yeah, but it does. And it's still not a disaster. Exactly. Because he will be either traded or waived or some finagling will have been done or a mini rebuild will have started or they will have traded Tatum and uh, Brown and changed their timeline. Something will happen by the time that that comes back to really bite them in the ass. Exactly. So I get what you're saying. I just I just don't know about Vucevic. Like you said, Butler, Tobias, I'm taking that in a heartbeat. But Vooch is the one where I just don't know about maxing him. Yeah, and I don't love it either. You know, I, I think when I say I'm coming around, I mean I come around to 51% yes, 49% no. Yeah. Where, where for a while I was like, you know, 80% no. Uh, that's kind of where my where I was at with it. But, you I know. I feel like you're talking yourself into guys that you think are going to happen. Like, what's your percentages on DeAndre Jordan now? Oh, he's 100% coming to the Kings. <laughs> I will – I promise you that he is coming to the Kings – did you hear James Ham on the radio talking about it recently? No. Everybody is talking about it. Everybody ever yeah. associated with the Kings on a on a on like a on a oh, on a God. true, you know, like Ill, <laughs> on, in the the Sacramento media elite, right? Your Carmichael Daves, your I mean that <laughs> your Grant, no 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 <laughs> your Grant Napiers, your Amix, your Hams, your Sean Cunningham's, everybody is talking about DeAndre Jordan, and the tone is like, he'd be a pretty good fit on this team, I think. <laughs> no, he wouldn't be. But, like, I, and I, this is nothing against any of you. I know the deal. He's coming, and you're trying to soften the blow. I get it. I appreciate your efforts, and I am just sad. I think we just have to move past it. The, I just have to pretend and just drool over his stats from about two, three seasons ago. And just be like, see, I think this guy can still protect the rim. Maybe he'll care. This is what's happening. The Kings are offering a max to Vooch. <laughs> he is turning it down to stay in Orlando. And the Kings are going to sign DeAndre Jordan for two years, $40 million. Yeah, the Jabari Parker contract. At least give me a player option second year. Oh, God. I would, I swear, two years, $40 million. Oh. Lock that in. Lock that in. <laughs> You are kicked off this podcast if that happens. You're not allowed for any more takes. I wish, I wish it <laughs> went so. But I think that's all I got, Rich. Anything else? I'm good, man. All right. You said Toronto in seven, right? Give me Toronto. All right. I'm going Golden State in six. So we'll keep an eye on this. And that is going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. You can find us on any major podcast platform. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a rating and five stars. It does a lot for us. You can interact with us on Reddit. We will have a pinned thread to the top of Reddit slash r slash Kings always. We will take questions from weekly and also interact with us on Twitter. Be sure to follow us there at Kings underscore Pulse. 
Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode. And we will have a guest on later this week. Stay tuned for that. And thank you to everybody for listening.